from the Credit Union National Association. This is the CUNA News Podcast. Credit Union people, credit union ideas. I'm Bill Merrick, Deputy Editor for Credit Union Magazine and CUNA News. This week's guest is Pete Nolte, Chief Technology Officer for Royal Credit Union in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Growing up in small-town Wisconsin, Nolte had virtually no access to technology, not even a pocket calculator. But now, Nolte has made it his mission to spread the word about blockchain and what it can do for credit unions. I talked to Nolte in early September about the concept of blockchain and distributed ledger technology and how it will shape credit union security landscape. Nolte addressed the 5th Annual Security Summit this month during the CUNA Technology Council Conference in San Francisco. So first of all, what's your background and, and what do you do in your current role at Royal? Uh, my current role at Royal is Chief Technology Officer. And in a credit union this side, we're about a $2.5 billion asset organization. And you know, a lot of people ask, why am I not a, a CIO versus a CTO? And I look at it as kind of a blended role. But when I was hired, Royal was looking for somebody that had more of a, a technology view, a deeper technology view, and a strategic view of technology versus just managing the information assets and, and the people and, and kind of the processes and projects. So, so I look at myself as uh, really a technologist and, and not only doing some of those CIO functions, but also really trying to peer you know, around the corner, so to speak, as to uh, where where the our industry is going and, and where uh, you know a lot of the technology is going, not just in our industry but across a lot of industries, to be able to uh, look at what what is it that uh, we need to do to be able to drive solutions, not just with what we do internally at Royal, but with our vendors and how we collaborate with them and and to try to build common visions and solutions that benefit not only Royal but hopefully the entire credit union industry. So what's keeping you busy these days? Well, lots of things. I think what we see is is kind of uh, in uh, broad terms, a lot of people call the Amazon effect, and maybe that's getting to be an overused uh, word now, but, but really trying to get that, that more frictionless experience than certainly the, the retail sector and Amazon and others in similar types of, of markets are are kind of leading the way in terms of setting the expectation of what that frictionless experience is and how to get from point A to B and getting there in a, in a way that uh, is fast, easy, and effortless. Being able to do that in the digital world, especially in the financial world where we have some regulatory requirements like know your customer and some of those things and, and some of the fraud pieces, etc. one of the common threads is identity. We've worked on the CU Ledger project, and really now CU Ledger has become a, a CUSO in its own right. You know, as John Ainsworth, the CEO that of CU Ledger, says, it all starts and ends with uh, identity. I think we're really, as we analyze that, really missing a lot of those points in terms of uh, getting that, not only the digital identity, but uh, the digital trust and, and being able to, to build that to a level that we can very quickly get into these one-click scenarios like Domino's Pizza or whatever is is doing to be able to just click and say, yep, here's my pizza and away we go. And clearly, if if you have fraud on pizza, it isn't such a big deal, but uh, certainly fraud in, in our world and not being able to uh, to truly know and trust in, in terms of uh, digital transactions around your finances is pretty important. Uh, is your credit union using blockchain to 
to kind of keep the lid on fraud and to help with identity? We're still really formulating. Blockchain is still an early technology. Um, you know, I think in terms of what I think of as, you know, babies, teenagers, college kids, and, and middle age, and, and, and uh, maybe elderly. This is probably, uh, you know, more of a, a grade school, maybe heading to be a teenager with blockchain. And so, you know, blockchain has been around, and a lot of people associate that with cryptocurrencies. And, and certainly, you know, that technology has is, is proven itself in, in some ways in that regard. But uh, I think really for our industry, again, where we're really targeting blockchain is is early around identity. And that's uh, CU Ledger has partnered with a company called Sovereign or the Sovereign Foundation and uh, another company called Evernim. The advantage in blockchain is you get a distributed single source of truth that everybody has a copy of the data. And as changes are made, everyone comes to consensus that that change is, is valid and, uh, and should be made. The, the advantage that gives, especially in identity, is you don't have to have a centralized point of, of where that identity data is stored. And especially if you're trying to get identity across the whole credit union industry or even a broader sector of healthcare and governmental institutions, being able to have that, that distributed data and consensus without having a trusted centralized administrator or one copy in one institution talking to another copy or database of identities in another institution and try to synchronize those as we've done with current technology. The blockchain certainly helps with that and uh, I believe will give us a fabric not only of identity but, and trust, but also um, when we have that, um, it certainly will help control fraud as well. So do you see that as a way to move from being in grade school with, with this technology to becoming more of a teenager? Yeah, I think so. And so, you know, we're, we're going through, especially specifically with Sovereign and the Evernim folks and the CU Ledger folks, has been a great collaboration and, and a lot of work in early uh, proof of concept that we've been doing over the last probably couple years and really getting that technology up to the point where it's really able to be able to be put into the actual marketplace and scaled up in terms of the volume that needs to be done. And so that's really the work that's being done is is going from promise to, to production and, and getting, you know, other vendors, our core vendors and, and other banking services vendors and call center vendors, et cetera, to be able to integrate this teenager into kind of uh, <laughs> the middle age or, or sometimes maybe all the way over into the elderly products that we have. You know, so that uh, so the different generations, so to speak, so grandma can talk to the uh, to the teenager and have a very good relationship and a productive relationship. So getting these different uh, generations of technology to work together in a productive way is really, I think, where we're at today. Some very good work and good progress is being made, and uh, I believe that we're going to see a lot of this come to fruition into production in 2019. What do you see as, as some of the long-term effects of, of blockchain and distributed ledger technology uh, on the credit union movement? How do you think it'll change the movement? Well, I, you know, at least me personally, you know, I don't know, you know, there's a lot of different views, but, but one of the things that I think in the credit union industry that, that certainly makes me feel good and feel confident that, that we are, um, as an industry, on the right track is this great collaborative movement and and way that we work together and try to combine our our overall 
assets, whether those are our financial assets or intellectual assets or uh, excitement is, uh, to me, another uh, uh, piece of capital that is a great attribute of, of our industry as well. And so I think we're, as a group, pretty excited, pretty optimistic about the things that we do and certainly the excitement we have for our members and bringing them the great solutions that we've been known for as an industry. So I think what I see is the ability to what I say is is not only collaborate in our unique way, but to fly in formation. So if blockchain can help us coordinate ourselves and coordinate ourselves in a way that is in real time and everyone is building real-time consensus and is able to see all of the data change together, we don't have to have a single trusted entity and we work together as all in a, in a blockchain format. I think we can actually fly in formation without necessarily merging ourselves all together into a single entity and really uh, make our assets uh, scale at a, at a much greater rate than, than just the uh, conventional math. And you'll be talking a lot uh, about a lot of these issues at the, the CUNA Technology Council conference, which is coming up. What's your main message uh, to attendees of that conference? The first message is, is what I've been doing is evangelizing blockchain and, and really trying to get people to understand what blockchain is a lot of people think cryptocurrency when they hear blockchain, and they may have some other preconceived uh, notions of what blockchain are. Maybe some of those are, are accurate um, or not. What I'm trying to talk about is kind of what we have been talking about is, how does this really work? And today we work a lot with centralized relational databases that have central administrators and trusted administrators in a single institution. And really what blockchain can do in terms of us and in terms of really coming away from these uh, single centralized databases so that it really does bring that collaboration and that, that group consensus and, and real-time data synchronization across multiple institutions, I think, is, is really what I'd like to, to be able to see in terms of an educational perspective. But, and that's kind of the first phase of my message. The second phase is, is really around why do this, you know, and what advantages, key advantages does that give? Some of the thoughts around where, where some of those advantages might look like in terms of, again, identity um, and trust and how that might actually look in a real product. So seeing what Sovereign and Evernim are actually doing, not just talking about, you know, hey, this is a really neat blockchain-based identity and trust framework. What does it actually look like? You know, what do the, what's the user interface look like on a smartphone? How does this work? How would it manifest itself in terms of capabilities? And something called self-sovereign identity. So instead of leaving institutions up to managing your identity, is to let you manage your identity and for you to decide which institutions you trust with your identity and when you trust them to access that. And if you want to break that relationship, that you own the ability to, uh, to break that relationship. And so some of those concepts as well as some other things that uh, may be working in the financial world in, in terms of payments and uh, settlement networks and some of the things that are happening early on and where we see some success and then also where some of those, uh, those efforts are, are headed. And, and then the third piece is really to look at, you know, I've been talking to uh, the regulators, just got back from uh, the FFIEC IT conference, talking to the to the NCUA and the FDIC, OCC, and state regulators about some of this. And we've been uh, trying to, to stay with the regulators to help make sure that they're ready for some of these technologies and, and are, are certainly 
embracing them and and ready to uh, to go with us into into our markets uh, without restricting us and certainly helping us, not hindering us from being able to deploy these technologies and. And so the idea then is how do we actually deploy this? How do we minimize the risk of going into the market with these new technologies? And as I said, how do we, how do we take a teenager into the market and, and make it act um, with the, the level of responsibility and, and maturity that you'd get out of, uh, of some of the more mature existing technologies? How receptive are regulators to this? And then do they have any concerns? Do they share any concerns with you about, about all this? Yeah, and so, you know, there was a room of maybe four or 500 um, folks, and then it was live-streamed, at least in this last conference, um, to uh, most of the field offices of, of all the organizations that are under the uh, FFIEC control, and so a lot of people, and so certainly a lot of questions over the chat line and in the, in the audience in general, and was very impressed this year with the level of knowledge and thoughtfulness of a lot of the questions and uh, and really the, the depth of technical understanding behind those questions. And so they've certainly done their homework, very intriguing questions, and I think really does uh, speak to what I was just talking about in terms of the knowledge that they have of current solutions and trying to apply them to this new paradigm. And in some ways, certainly are thinking that the new paradigm does, in fact, as I was just talking about, does have uh, some great advantages and solves a lot of problems, potentially, that, that we currently see, but also potentially opens up some, some new problems and or new potential problems. And so I think, uh, you know, they're ready to go. They're trying to do their their part in, in helping us to, to get there, not hindering us. And so I think uh, this partnership moving forward to this new future, I think they are a lot like us, just a different role, you know, as a technologist and, and a person working in a credit union want to see this to be able to deliver that uh, that great experience to our members, to be able to advance the technologies. I think they want to do the same thing but in their role, making sure that it's safe and sound, not only for to keep the institution safe and sound, but, but also the assets of our members safe and sound as, as we go to market with these. So I think it's a, it's a great partnership to go to the market and, and appreciate, I think, the regulators uh, wanting to collaborate. I think it's great and uh, I think uh, very positive, I think, um, to see that, that collaboration and interest. So switching gears a little bit, what are some of your biggest re- uh, concerns related to cybersecurity, and and what are you doing to address those concerns? Well, you know, I hate to keep sounding like a broken record, but uh, you know, cybersecurity, you know, certainly upping the level of uh, digital trust and identity certainly helps a lot of what we see with cybersecurity. Even though we don't see as much, uh, although certainly plenty of attempts to may take direct brute force hacks into our our infrastructure, a lot of these tend to be schemes with trying to impersonate yourself as someone else, to send phishing emails, to, to say that you're somebody that you aren't, and, and trying to impersonate, say, a team member that's an internal, even though it's an external person, um, et cetera. And so, so I think that the more you have assurances that um, you are who you say you are and that identity is well known, and in these di- newer digital trust frameworks, I think will go a long way to helping a lot about cybersecurity. One of the other things that is interesting is with the blockchain that I got exposed to through my work with uh, the Sovereign Group and the CU Ledger Technology Advisory Board 
is the the global domain name system uh, or DNS system potentially starting to use blockchain as a, as a way to uh, really get to a next gen domain name service offering and and to be able to uh, not only resolve IP addresses to names um, in that binding, but also to look at these new things called distributed identifiers that are a key piece of these new digital identities. And I think that it makes very interesting sense to me to be able to use this whole blockchain or distributed ledger technology instead of lots of institutions and lots of carriers having these databases that talk to each other trying to share domain name service information and the problems with that data rippling across the world and and through this network of of databases trying to synchronize together seems very, very interesting to be able to use distributed ledger technology or or potentially um, specifically blockchain technology to deal with some of those issues. And so I think, you know, I see kind of... uh, a finishing of the internet. You know, when the internet started, it was really around moving data and uh, and really all of these pieces and tools about um, identity and so forth were, were thought about but not good solutions. And I think we've ran about as far as we can with an internet that really is about moving data, not necessarily about assuring certain things with identity and digital trust, et cetera. And so I think it's, uh, you know, if the internet's been around commercially for several decades, it's probably time, you know, that uh, we actually finish the job and get to the, or at least start continuing to uh, work on the job of enhancing what we started and bringing some of these capabilities into the internet and, and applying some of these new tools like distributed ledger to be able to bring kind of a new level of capability into that overall network fabric that can I think, uh, curb a lot of the, what I would call bad actors and bad things happening and, and bad practices that, that run rampant today because that fabric does not have the strength and the capability that it really needs to, to, to stop those, those activities from happening. And so we've been really relying more on fear and, and fear of retaliation and all kinds of other things. And so I think we need some stronger components and capabilities in the fabric really to continue to support uh, cybersecurity issues. Well, it's nice to know there's, there, there's some hope still, you know, there's uh, things in the works that maybe will, will make this a little better. Agreed. And so I think, uh, you know, one of the people that was at one of the sovereign and C. Ledger meetings was talking about the Justice League has to come in and some of the superheroes <laughs> have, to, uh, have to sit at the table and figure out exactly what it is that we need so that we uh, can put, uh, you know, these superhuman capabilities uh, and into uh, the overall uh, fabric uh, so, that, so that a lot of these bad things don't happen. And so I think it's a little bit, uh, if you look, you know, in the average comic story, the, the superheroes against the, the villains. And right now, I think the villains have a little bit of the upper hand because of this lack of capability. So hopefully the superheroes are collecting and, and some of these technologies are, are starting to be used and uh, will be exploited to be able to really uh, overcome some of the villains. Our, our fate rests in your hands here. <laughs> uh... Yeah, I don't know if I'm one of the superheroes or not, but... Uh, but certainly is a, is an interesting way to look at it, right? If you look at it through the eyes of a, you know our our comic books, and you know as as they uh, said in one of those meetings, 
every story has its villain and every story has its superhero. So I mm-hmm. guess, you know, it can be applied to, to uh, cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. How did you get interested in technology? Well, you know, I think, you know, I grew up not as a digital native. I grew up in a pretty small town in western Wisconsin. And, you know, we uh, we really didn't have a, a lot of technology in those days. You know, even, uh, you know, the there wasn't even a pocket calculator. You know, I st- my dad owned a community bank and my mom was a nurse. And I still remember my dad bought a Texas instrument calculator that probably is the size of one of the uh, the old adding machines with the crank handles and so forth on it, but it, it actually had uh, vacuum tubes for the uh, the number displays. Wow! Each each segment was part of of the vacuum tubes, and so I think he paid two or three thousand dollars for that, and essentially had you know add, subtract, multiply, and divide, and and it and it had a couple of decimal points you know of accuracy you know, just being able to calculate interest on loans and so forth. So you think about that back then in a small community bank where hand calculating interest to be able to do that. And so then uh, he had also bought a a, a computer with uh, something called VisiCalc, right? If you go back in history, running on an operating system called CPM, which predates MS-DOS and Lotus 1-2-3 that predates Excel today that you see. And so, you know, I got to see that. And uh, also, uh, you know, in high school, really didn't have programming classes and was just kind of coming in to being that uh, University of Wisconsin River Falls was one of the nearby universities. And we were able to get a, uh, a terminal that had a keyboard with thermal paper terminal. Uh, if you think about it, not even a display used an acoustic coupler with phones so that you'd actually dial the number for the for one of the computers over at the university and you put it in and and you could uh program in Fortran, Pascal and Basic and so we would uh write all kinds of programs and one of my friends we used to sleep floors at the school um after school and so we uh we got to stay after late we'd sit there till midnight or 2 in the morning programming on uh different things. And we had some adventure games and all kinds of other things that we used to play with and, and do and have a lot of fun with. So we kind of got into it because we thought it was nifty and new and played with it, but very different experience about getting into technology than where you see today. Pretty pretty crude tools and pretty crude capabilities compared to what kids are being exposed to today, you know, with uh, at a very early age, the, the, the things that we're, we see today in the more digital native world. When you brag about Royal Credit Union, what do you brag about? What what I think um, are the are the strengths and and things to brag about Royal is is certainly our our people, you know, and our team members. I think that's where it all starts. And certainly, uh, the, the right along with that would be bragging about our members. And and I think we have great members that give us great support and enjoy our products and services and you know, give us a lot of great feedback. And that certainly energizes our great team to be able to continue to go forward and and do great things. So I think, you know, Royal certainly has always been trying to use technology and innovative techniques and processes. So I think we try to be uh, creative thinkers and and to use our resources very carefully to the best of our abilities to to serve our members. And so I think we have a a pretty clever, pretty energized group that uh, loves to to take care of our members. And so I think the people and our our team members are are a great, great asset and, and certainly, I think, the keys to our success. 
Thanks for listening to the CUNA News Podcast. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play.